It's time for Tales of Terror, only on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Good evening. This is Robert Arnold, Executive Director of Chatterbox Audio Theatre. For the second year in a row, Chatterbox is venturing out from its usual home at www.chatterboxtheatre.org to come to you live over the airwaves on 91.1 WKNO Memphis and 90.1 WKNP Jackson. My fellow performers and I are gathered tonight in a small studio. We have at our disposal a few microphones, two computers, a keyboard, and a table full of sound effects equipment that resembles a small flea market. Using only these materials, we will conjure seven tales of horror, madness, evil, and the macabre, tales designed to ruin your peaceful slumber for many nights to come. Lest you think I'm being flippant, let me assure you that I am as serious as the grave— Because tonight's stories will take place in your imagination, they will be as terrifying, gory, and unsettling as you are capable of making them. So, if you are easily upset, consider yourself warned. Still with us? Excellent. Then let's begin. Our first story tonight is one of my own. It opens with a young man wheeling a gurney down a hallway toward a well-lit but rather cold room. Naturally, this young man has no inkling of the terrible things that are about to take place in that room. Nor, I trust, do you. And so we will all confront them together as Chatterbox Audio Theatre presents tonight's first tale, which we call In the Rainbow Room. Well, uh, congratulations, Mr. Bainbridge. I'd say you did pretty good in there. I mean, um, I don't know exactly what they found, but Dr. Soto seemed happy. You can always tell with him. When things go smoothly, you can always tell. (sighs) All right, Mr. Bainbridge, uh, here we are. Uh, Let's see, I I got you stitched up and cleaned. What do you say we get you zipped up and back into bed, huh? There we go. Uh, Kind of a tight fit, I know, but uh, at least you'll stay nice and cool. Sweet dreams, Mr. Bainbridge. Jimmy! Oh! Oh, jeez. Hey, hey, Detective Watson. I didn't see you there. You either, miss. Uh, How do you do? Hello. Jimmy, this is Miss Avery. Look, I'm sorry we startled you, but I need your help. Me? Gosh, Detective, I don't know how much help I can be. Dr. Soto will be back in the morning if you There's want no to... time for that, Jimmy. We need to find someone right away. You're talking about one of the folks here, Detective? In that case, I don't think there's any real hurry, is there? I mean, none of them's going anywhere. <laughs> Look, you took in a body earlier today. Raymond Sinclair. He was killed trying to break out of prison. Ring any bells? Sure, sure. I know who you're talking about. Did some work on him earlier. He was in pretty bad shape. The dogs got him, you know. Practically tore him to pieces. <gasps> it's all right, darling. Jimmy, listen. I need you to show me where he is. We've got to see him. What for? Don't ask it. Don't ask me any questions, Jimmy. Just tell me where to find the body of Raymond Sinclair. Look, I'm sorry, Detective, but you know the procedure. Before you can start pulling out bodies, you've got to have one of the pathologists present. I know the procedure, to... Jimmy, but... This isn't exactly official business. Now, I'm not going to ask you again. Dwight, please. Jimmy, listen to me. Mr. Sinclair was very important to me at at one time. We just need to look at the body, okay? We don't want to do anything but look at it. You promise I won't get into trouble? We promise. Uh, Well, I'm all right, I guess. (laughs) But I, I don't know exactly where they put him. I'll have to go up front and look it up. Then do that, please. You want to come wait in the lobby? No, we'll stay here. Just hurry, Jimmy. Sure, sure. I mean, why not, huh? 
Nothing else going on at this time of night. I'll be back in a second. It's cold in here. Uh, it's got to be. All these units, they're refrigerated. If you keep a body under 32 degrees, it decomposes a lot slower. I don't see how anybody can work in a place like this. It's awful. What, the rainbow room? Ah, it's not so bad. You get used to it, I guess. The rainbow room? Oh, yeah. You know, we call it that sometimes. In front of families, you know, kids. Don't want to scare anybody. And what about me, Dwight? Aren't you worried about scaring me? Hey, hey, come on now. We'll find him, okay? And we'll make sure. Dwight, you don't really think... You don't really think he could. I don't know. Look, I tracked Raymond Sinclair for five years. Almost as long as the two of you were together. By now, you and I have both seen... A lot of things that we can't explain. Oh, Dwight. I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't rescued me from him. From that life, the rituals, the ceremonies. It was horrible. Inhuman. Shh. It's all right, Justine. I'm here. I'm looking out for you now. But, Dwight, what if it's true? What if you really can come back? Well, we're just going to have to make sure he doesn't. Why did it go dark? I, I don't know. Maybe Jimmy accidentally hit the lights or something. Jimmy! Hey, Jimmy! You got us waiting in the dark in here! Dwight! Shh! Quiet! over. Justine, stay close to me, all right? Detective Watson, uh, Miss Avery, uh, hey, are you guys still in here? Uh, what's wrong with the light? Uh, I found out where they put Mr. Sinclair. Uh, he, he's over here on row three. Do you want me to... Wait, what is... No! No, don't! Ah! Stay calm. I've got my gun. I've got the dagger. We know what to do. Where... Where's he going? Other direction. Far side of the room. I can't see anything, Dwight. What's happening? There. You hear that? Sounds like he went into the crematorium. Come on. Oh, Dwight, wait. Are you sure you want to... Are you sure you want to go in there? Well, I've got to, don't I? Look, you stay here and keep the door open. If, if I need to get out, quick, I can follow the sound of your voice. And if anything happens to me, you hightail it out of here. Got it? Yeah. Okay. Here it goes. Justine! <laughs> Justine, what happened? What happened? What happened is I closed the door, detective, and now I'm bolting it shut. Huh? Justine, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Oh, come on, detective. Did you really think I could fall for a stupid bout like you? Raymond isn't looking for revenge on me, you idiot. I never left him. Stayed true all the way to the end. But, but Justine! I just told you that to get you to play the hero, to get you here. Sorry to break it to you, detective, but you're the one he wants. Justine, don't do this! He's all yours, Raymond, honey. As soon as you're done, we'll work on getting you fixed up good as new. Justine! <laughs> Justine, you let me out of here! You let me out like... Detective Watson. <laughs> Hello, Raymond. You are listening to a live Halloween performance by Chatterbox Audio Theater. This is Marcus Brown. For our next story, we travel to a well-appointed suburban home, 
a place that, at first, may seem too comfortable and brightly lit to house any true horrors. But appearances can be deceiving, as can the human heart. And so tonight, in this well-appointed, brightly lit home, a long, simmering madness will finally bubble over. Chatterbox Audio Theatre presents tonight's second tale, which is written by Deborah Hyatt and is entitled, Boil. always say one of two things about a woman whose husband cheated on her. She had to know, or she was the last to know. <laughs> well, speaking from experience... Oh, excuse me just a moment. Chamomile tea is so relaxing. It's a shame you won't have a cup with me, my dear. Oh... I do hope you're comfortable in that chair. It's a little hard on one's bottom, I know. Still, a tall, lovely girl like you looks quite fine sitting up so nice and straight. As I was saying, I suppose that some wives do know from the beginning, while others are stunned to discover they have been betrayed. But I don't suppose it matters much whether one is the first to know or the last. From that moment, the moment when the truth becomes known becomes inescapable. Everything is different. One can't help but look back over the years and wonder. Anderson and I married young. We were full of dreams and hope. He worked so hard putting himself through law school, putting in the hours required to become an associate and then a partner. His life was a round of late nights, working weekends, business trips. And my life? Well, I was his wife. That was my job, and I did it well. Girls like you look down on women like me. Tandy, my dear, you must stop struggling, or you'll have terrible rope burns before all is done. I know the gag isn't comfortable, but I need you to sit quietly and listen to me. Can you do that? Can you sit quietly and listen to me? Good. That's good. As I was explaining, I grew used to managing without Anderson, to making all the decisions that my husband didn't have time for. I did all the cooking, cleaning, decorating, and the upkeep. Oh, oh! you wouldn't believe how much work it takes to keep a home together. All the maintenance and repairs, renovations and updates. Anderson never had time for such things, of course. Well, can you imagine Anderson painting walls or planting a garden? He doesn't even like picking out furniture. But he did enjoy the fruits of my labor. I had good taste, a great eye, and a real commitment to building a beautiful, comfortable home. One he would be proud to return to every night. Over time, I discovered I had a real knack for doing the work myself. I started with painting and hanging wallpaper, of course, but it wasn't long before I was replacing faucets, repairing tiles. <laughs> Whatever needed doing, I did. <laughs> Just look at this kitchen. I replaced the countertops and added this island. I, I updated the appliances, refinished the cabinets. What? Look at that hardware. I had it custom designed by a wonderful metal artist in Seattle. I had to wait six months for delivery, but oh, it was worth it. And the floor. Oh, that's vintage handmade Mexican tile. <laughs> Virtually irreplaceable. And so, Tandy, my dear, here we sit. Everything we need for a nice little chat so very close at hand. Oh, my dear girl, calm yourself. It's it's Tuesday. I always sharpen my knives on Tuesday. I catch up on lots of little duties on Tuesday, you see, because Anderson always stays late for the partner's weekly meeting. He's described those meetings, and they sound dreadfully boring to me. Still, 
He won't miss a single one, even though they always run so late. Sometimes he doesn't even make it home. He just stays the night at some dreary hotel near the office. It's more convenient for him, of course. And he's, he's so considerate about not wanting to wake me by coming home in the dead of night. Tandy, you really must stop that. I won't have you marring my beautiful floor. There now, isn't that better? Sitting quietly and listening to me? Good girl. Now, on the nights when Anderson does come home, he likes to relax immediately by running upstairs and taking a long, hot shower. We installed a really wonderful shower when we remodeled the master bath last year, fully programmable controls, and Eight shower outlets. Oh, it's more than I'd have ever wanted. <laughs> but Anderson insisted. He had just fallen in love, you see, with the showers at Gracian Suites in Chicago. Yes, the Gracian. He stayed there for the first time last April. He was booked at the Drake, as usual, but decided at the last minute that the Gracian was more convenient was closer to the client's office, I believe, he said. My dear, do settle down. I can't remove the gag, you know. I can't have you crying out a warning when Anderson comes home tonight. Oh, I can imagine it all. We'll hear the front door open and close, and I'll call out, Anderson, is that you? Like I always do. And he'll respond, of course it is, in that gruff way he has. <laughs> then, bop, 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 up the stairs he'll go. Oh, he's so impatient. He'll be stepping into the shower before the water's even warm. We'll be able to hear it all he from here, you see, because the master suite is right above us. Oh, yes. I was telling you about the remodeling job on the bath. Well, all I'd planned to do was a little updating, but then Anderson became involved. He looked over the plans, met with the contractor, even helped me pick out the paint colors and tiles. Oh, it was really rather sweet. I remember feeling that the project was bringing us closer together. Now, of course, I know that you were his real inspiration. You and the time you spent with my husband at the Gracian Suites. Once the construction actually started, it didn't take long for Anderson to run out of patience. I was left to deal with it all. The noise, the mess, oh, the endless decisions. That was when Anderson started staying away so many nights. It was easier to stay at a hotel, he said. More convenient than driving home. Sleeping at home. Sleeping with his wife. I have something for you, Tandy. Or rather, I have something I need to return to you. Look. Your earring. I recall you wearing a pair like this at the office Christmas party last year. I found this one last month when I was cleaning the shower. Anderson will probably be home soon, so I'd better finish my story. <laughs> Once I'd had my moment of revelation, you see, I spent a good deal of time considering my options, pondering what to do, how to let Anderson know that I knew. Tears, perhaps? Shouting and recriminations? A surprise letter from a divorce lawyer? Oh, it all seemed so very prosaic. Then I realized that I simply wanted to kill Anderson. <laughs> now, the method I selected was a bit unusual, so listen carefully and let me know if you think it's workable or not. You see, I decided to kill Anderson with the shower. Not in it, with it. I decided to boil him alive. <laughs> Of course it wouldn't be easy. For starters, I'd have to rig the door latch so that it would lock behind Anderson and prevent him from reaching the control panel. Luckily, I didn't have to reconfigure any old-fashioned shower knobs since Anderson had insisted on programmable controls. The pressure balancing valve was my greatest obstacle because it automatically adjusts the flows from the hot and cold lines to prevent scalding. But I finally realized I could install a diverter to feed hot water into the cold water line as well. Now, I don't like to brag, but even you have to admit that was a very smart idea. Oh, 
Oh, that reminds me. Time to turn on the divider. Lastly, I set the water heater as high as it would go, 140 degrees. It takes only seconds to suffer third-degree burns at that temperature, so continual, full-force streams from eight outlets. Tandy, I'm not warning you again. There he is. Keep quiet. If you make a sound, I'll make you regret it. Oh, goodness. I'd say Anderson is a bit upset that you stood him up for your partner's meeting this evening. Anderson, is that you, darling? Of course it is. So tell me, Tandy, do you think my little plan could work? Come on, girl, calm down and think it through. Have I been telling you the truth or not? Was my little stunt with the cabinet real or a ruse? Am I about to become a murderer? Or am I just a silly suburban housewife who dabbles in decorating and hires electricians and plumbers to do the real work? Maybe all of this is a hoax, a cruel joke intended to teach you a lesson. Tell me, Tandy, is Anderson about to die? to save him, did you? All you had to do was make enough noise to attract Anderson's attention. Draw him to this room. Things could be so different right now. But you just did as you were told. You are so weak. You don't have what it takes to be a wife. You don't even know what it takes to be a wife. Only how to replace one. Tandy, you stupid girl. Look at what you've done. I warned you. I told you not to damage the floor. listening to a live Halloween performance by Chatterbox Audio Theater. This is Rebecca Greer. The Internet, that vast unfettered system of information, has brought us face-to-face with many new wonders. It has also shown us countless new horrors, but few are as potent or as dangerous as those encountered in our next story, where what begins as a thrilling discovery for two childhood friends soon becomes something far slimier. Chatterbox Audio Theater presents tonight's third tale, which is written by Tony Isbell and is entitled The Download. One phone call. That's all it takes to change your life forever. This is how it began. Uh, yeah, hello? Paul, it's me. It's Howard. What? Howard? Is anything wrong? Listen, I've, I've got something I want you to see. Howard, did it occur to you that it's three o'clock in the morning? Oh, oh man, I, I'm sorry, I didn't think. I, I was just excited. I, I want you to see this. Howard, this is the first time I've heard from you in, what, years? Surely it could wait, at least till morning. Look, Paul... Why don't you just just come up here for a couple of days, okay? Uh, you, you can stay with me. I don't know, Howard. Just, I... just sleep on it, please. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And he was gone, just like that. It was so quick that for a moment I thought I had been dreaming. Twenty-five years ago I had been Howard's best friend, and now... Now I was very likely his only friend.
is it? Who do you think it is, Howard? Paul? Is that you? Oh, it is you. I'm so glad you came. Of course it's me. Who'd you expect? Uh, Howard? Yeah. What are you doing with that baseball bat? Oh, uh, uh, sorry. I, I just, I like to be careful. You never know. You, know, you never know what's out there. What's out there? What does that mean? Forget it. Just uh, put your suitcase down and, and follow me, okay? I'll, I'll show you what I called about. Okay, sure. May as well get straight to the... Uh... <laughs> wow, Howard. What? Still collecting old movie posters, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, ever since high school. I remember. You still have the original from the... Uh, you have the original from Frankenstein, huh? With Karloff's autograph. That was your first one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And look at this. Lugosi's Dracula? The first Wolfman. The original invasion of the body snatchers. And another dozen I don't even recognize. Quite a collection. Yeah, well, I keep the most valuable ones locked up. You have more? Yeah, that's how I make my living. You'd be surprised how much money you can make online trading in memorabilia. Actually, this sort of has to do with why I called you. Come on, uh, let me show you. Uh, this room is, uh, well... I call it my lab. It's silly, I know. Wow. What have you got? Like six computers here? Or cameras? All kinds of electronic gadgets? Impressive. Now, look at this computer, okay? This is what I wanted to show you. This download. Download? Uh, of what? Just watch. He pressed a key on one of the computers, and what appeared to be a video clip of some sort began to play. There was so much static and interference in the thing that you really couldn't see what was happening. Just vague shapes moving. The audio wasn't much better. Your evil plot has failed, Countess. Even as we speak, the local constables are on the way here to arrest you. You don't stand a chance. American rule. You have underestimated me. Don't you really think I can be stopped by men with guns? (laughs) Never. So long as I can unleash the beast. Don't be absurd. You can't control that monster. Too late. It is here now, behind this very door. You're mad. (laughs) No. No. Oh, oh my God. No. No. So what do you think? What do I think? This is what you called me in for the in the middle of the night to see? Oh, oh what? Some some stupid movie clip? Some guy yelling, "Oh my God, no, no!" Paul, it's not just a movie clip. Look, how much do you know about the history of film? What? What on earth does that have to Look, do? As with kids, the... you and I were obsessed with horror movies, right? But what do you know about their history? A little, uh, not much. Why? Okay. Um, how about this? What was the first talking picture? All right, I'll play along. I believe the jazz singer is generally regarded as the first talking picture. Right, and it was released when? 1920-something. Look, Howard, I don't see how 1927. This is... Now, you happen to know the first talking horror movie. I would guess the original Dracula with Bela Lugosi, and that, I remember, was 1931. Where is this going? What you just saw, the thing I downloaded, was a clip from a lost talking horror movie called The Slithering Beast, made in 1929. You're kidding, right? The Slithering Beast? Is this a joke? It's no joke, Paul. I downloaded this clip last night. It was in even worse shape than it is now. I worked on it all through the night to get it to where it is. You can at least understand the audio. I'm still working on the video. Howard, I've never heard of any film called The Slithering Beast, especially not from 1929, and certainly not with sound. Where did you get this thing? Are you sure it's not a hoax? I believe it's real. And as for where I got it, I I came across it two nights ago. Online. The description said, Only existing scene from the lost horror film The Slithering Beast, 1929, directed by V.V. First talking horror movie, shot with quantum camera. So... I downloaded it, and uh, I've been working on it ever since. Quantum camera? Howard, there's no such thing as a quantum camera. Not now, and certainly not in 1929. It can't be real. Show me the site. Uh, I can't. Why not? As soon as the download was complete, the, uh, the site vanished. And that doesn't tell you that it's a prank? I just have a feeling. It's real. Okay, okay. Let's assume it is real. Why have we never heard of this before? The first sound horror movie filmed with something called a quantum camera? 
only two years after the first sound movie ever? This should be famous. How did it end up on a random website that only you have ever found and that disappeared as soon as you downloaded the clip? I don't know, Paul. That's why I called you. I spent hours last night combing the internet, searching for some reference to the Slithering Beast from 1929. There was nothing. Not a single hit. If this is real, if we can prove it, we could give something new to the world. It would be more valuable than all my old movie posters combined. Okay, Howard, but... What do you expect us to do about it? If you've already looked around and didn't find anything, how do you expect us to... Oh. You want me to call Catherine? Well, she does have access to material. That's why you called me, to get to her. I just thought if you were the one to call her... You do realize we broke up a long time ago? I know that, Paul, but if you would just... And you realize that most of the collection is still in the process of being cataloged? Even she doesn't know everything that's in there. I know. I know. But if there's any reference anywhere to the Slithering Beast, it would be in the stuff at Miss Katonic. Okay, I'll call her. Thank you. I knew things would work out. I'll keep working on the download, running it through filters, getting it clearer. Soon we should be able to see exactly what's happening. And he turned to his computers. He'd never been one for social niceties. He left me the job of calling Catherine, who was now curator of the literature of the Fantastic Collection at Miskatonic University, going back a century or more. If anyone could help us track down the slithering beast, it would be Catherine. The slithering beast, huh? Sounds like Howard's gone off the deep end. I know, I know, but he seemed so sure, so intense... Have you ever heard anything about it? Anything at all? No, but that doesn't mean anything. There's so much stuff here, it might take the rest of my life to get through it. Would you... Could you try to help us out? Paul, why are you doing this? You know I like Howard, but frankly, he's always been on the edge. I really think he's lost it this time. Don't you think I know that? I'm worried about him. I mean, he greeted me at the door with a baseball bat. (laughs) Paul, he's never been exactly normal. Even back in high school. Look, I'm his friend. Maybe his only friend. He needs me. You're a good guy, Paul. Maybe after we do this, you could come visit. Well, I... Paul! Paul, come here! Uh, Howard's calling me. I hear him. Go. I'll call you if I find anything. What is it, Howard? I've got it clearer. Watch this. Your evil plot has failed, Countess. Even as we speak, the local constables are on the way here to arrest you. You don't stand a chance! American fool, you have underestimated me. Do you really think I can be stopped by men with guns? (laughs) Never. So long as I can unleash the beast. Don't be absurd. You can't control that monster! Too late. It's here now, behind this very door! You're mad! (laughs) Oh, no. No! What what was that thing? That was the slithering beast. But Howard, that thing looked real. I know. Oh my god. The effects, th- those things, those those tentacles, it it pulled that woman's head right off, the shedding blood, and the man, the beast forcing its tentacle in his mouth, down his throat. Oh I, I almost puked. It, Howard, this can't be real. There's no way they could have created effects like that in 1929. Maybe it was the quantum camera. Didn't you notice the set, the hairstyles, the clothes, the way they talked? It all seemed authentic to me. But all that could be fake. Maybe, but why would anyone go to all the trouble? And there's one other thing. What? Didn't you notice? The clip was longer than before. What? It originally ended with that guy screaming, Oh my God, no, no. This time, he screamed, help me. Please, God, somebody help me. Uh, So what? You got it clearer, right? We just couldn't hear it before. No, Paul. It wasn't there before. The clip is a full second longer. How is that possible? I don't know. It shouldn't be, but it is. I've got the software running automatically now. It should keep getting clearer, but I, I need to lie down and 
sleep. Oh, just for a while, I, I haven't slept since. Uh, whoa, whoa, Howard, hold on, hold on. You're about to collapse here. Uh, let's go into the other room. You can lie down on the sofa. Yeah, thanks. I gotta sleep. I gotta, I gotta. Hmm. And he was out. He looked utterly exhausted, and I suddenly realized I was exhausted too. I sat in the easy chair just to rest for a minute. I closed my eyes. I... And when I opened them again, I, I was no longer in Howard's living room. I, I was in some kind of a forest, and I heard someone calling my name. Paul! Paul! Catherine, what are you doing here? Where are we? How did I Paul, get... we have to run! I saw it! The beast! Well, how could you God, have... Paul, that wet oozing flesh! Those tentacles coming out of its head! We have to get away before it finds us! Catherine, this doesn't make any sense. How did you Paul, get here? Listen! It's coming! We have to get away! It's moving so fast! Run! No! 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 Oh, God! Yes? Hello? Paul? Are you okay? Yes, I'm sorry. I guess I fell asleep. What time is it? It's 8 o'clock in the morning. Morning? I slept through the night. I... I was having a bad dream, but, but I'm okay. Well, sorry to call you so early, but I have some information for you. I was able to find exactly one reference to the slithering beast. You were? Uh, where was it? In a very obscure German film magazine from 1929. This is what it says. The slithering beast, which was to be directed by Eric von Boltzmann, has been withdrawn from production. It was to be the first supernatural tale featuring full sound, as well as the first film directed by von Boltzmann, who served as a technical consultant on the silent features Nosferatu and the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Von Boltzmann had claimed he was set to make significant strides forward in the technology of the cinema. Rumor has it that the American producers found the footage that had already been shot to be too horrifying for public display. And that's it. That's the only thing you could find? Yes, but something about that name, Von Boltzmann, it seems familiar, but I don't know why. Maybe you remember him from Nosferatu or, or Caligari? I don't think so. It's something else, but I just can't put my finger on it. Anyway, I hope that helps. How are things going? Uh, there, um, okay. What's wrong? You sound strange. It's nothing. I, I'm just tired. Thanks for calling. And Catherine, um... If you find anything else, would you let me know? Sure thing. Take care of yourself, okay? And Howard, too. As we hung up, I glanced at Howard. He was still sleeping on the sofa. I decided to go into his lab and watch the clip one more time. It was after me and... Paul? What's wrong? Howard, listen. Catherine called. She did find a reference to the Slithering Beast. It, it was supposed to be the first sound horror movie directed by some guy named von Voltzmann, but the producers pulled the plug on it, said it was too horrible for the general public. So the movie was never finished? Apparently only a few scenes were shot, and there's something else. I played the clip again while you were asleep... It's even longer, with more dialogue, and, and Howard, it was almost like the guy in the clip could, could see me. What? What do you mean? He screamed for help. He, he seemed to be looking right at me. Even he pointed at me. Fr- from inside the computer? I know it sounds crazy, My but... My God, I... Well, I want to see this. Well, Howard, I don't know. Something's not right here. I need to see this, Paul. Come on. plot has failed, Countess. Even as we speak, the local constables are on the way here to arrest you. You don't stand a chance. American fool, you have underestimated me. Do you really think I can be stopped by men with guns? Never. So long as I can unleash the beast. Don't be absurd. You can't control that monster. Too late. It's here now, behind this very door. You're mad. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. No! No! Help me! Please, God, somebody help me! You! You there! You! Oh, my God! 
Harry and he's he's hitting it. That's impossible. This can't be. Oh my God! Look, his hand. Paul, his hand is coming through the screen. This can't be happening. Help me, please! Get me out of here! We have to get him out! Get him out? Out of what? What's happening? I don't know, but we can't leave him in there with that thing! Now help me pull! (laughs) Turn it off! Turn off the projector! Turn it off! Okay, okay, there! It's off! It's off! (laughs) Thank God! Thank God! better? Yes. Thank you. Look, uh, what in the world is going on here? How did you come out of that computer? What? Computer? I don't understand. I was... What year is it? What? The year! What year is it? It's 2009. 2009? 50 years. Oh, it's been almost 50 years. I've been trapped in that other world since... Since 1960. It, it, it was October 1960 when... Look, <clears throat> look, my name is Ken Richardson. I'm a... I was a producer, a movie producer in Hollywood. I was looking for a new project, a new horror movie. I found this old film clip. It was supposed to be something different, something horrifying. I watched it over and over. I couldn't help myself. Until finally, the man, he... He, he stuck his hand out of the screen, screaming for help. I, I pulled him out, li- like you did for me. He said he'd been trapped in the clip since, since 1929. Then it, the, 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 the thing, it, 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 it reached out and it somehow it grabbed me and it pulled me in. Oh, I, 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 I was trapped, forced to repeat those lines, those actions, oh, over and over for, for 50 years, until, until... Mister, wait, did you stay awake just to... He's out. Paul, is this real, or am I finally going crazy? He's here, isn't he? We, we helped him. We saw the slithering beast. If you're crazy, Howard... Th- Then I am too. While the man calling himself Ken Richardson slept, Howard and I did some research. Found something. What does it say? Uh, There was a Ken Richardson back in the late 50s who was a producer of cheapy monster movies. He disappeared, assumed murdered by a German vagrant. A German vagrant? Do you think... That he was the man Ken Richardson pulled from the movie? It's insane, Howard, but I just don't know what else to think. I just don't know how it's possible. Unless... Unless what? Okay. Okay, maybe this von Voltzmann really did have some kind of a quantum camera. Maybe that has something to do with what's going on. Uh, Hold on, Howard. It's Catherine. Hello? Uh, Wait, wait. Catherine, hold on. Howard's here. Uh, Let me put you on the speakerphone. Okay, go ahead. I know why the name von Voltzmann rang a bell with me. It was the initials VV. It finally came to me that I'd seen those initials in a letter. A letter written by H.P. Lovecraft in 1927. Lovecraft? You've got to be kidding me. No, I'm not. He was writing to a friend, and he said this almost in passing. Just listen. I received the strangest epistle from a certain Herr von V concerning theories he has about the very nature of reality itself. He speaks of many worlds or planes of existence that are normally hidden from our gaze. Wait, wait, wait. Many worlds? Isn't there a quantum theory called many worlds? Yeah, but it wasn't developed until the 1950s. Listen, the letter continues. Von V. wrote to me that he had tried to make his theories clear to Professor H. in Copenhagen earlier this year. Apparently, he tried very vehemently to convince Professor H. and wound up in jail for his trouble. Now he has written to me because he finds elements of some of my stories that he claims bear resemblance to what he has discovered of these other worlds or planes. And I must say his description in, of one being, indeed, is extremely interesting. However, I think the man must surely be a lunatic and is already a confirmed criminal. And that's all Lovecraft ever had to say about it. The next year, 1928, Lovecraft published the first of his Cthulhu series. 
Paul. Cthulhu. So, so what are you saying? That, that Lovecraft got the idea for Cthulhu from von Voltzmann? I don't know what to think, but von V must be von Voltzmann. It's just too much of a coincidence. And the Professor H he mentions in Copenhagen? He must be talking about Heisenberg. Paul, one second, Howard. Uh, Catherine, what does all this mean? Von Boltzmann was some kind of technician on early silent German horror films, but, but he was also some kind of a genius in physics? I don't know what it means, Paul, but there's some kind of connection. What does this have to do with Heisenberg? We think von Boltzmann invented some kind of quantum device, some kind of quantum camera. Maybe he called that thing into our oh. world and, and then couldn't get it to leave. Paul! What? Where is Ken? What? He was just here, asleep on the sofa a minute ago. I... Uh, what? Who's Ken? Paul? What's going on there? Nothing, Catherine, nothing. I, I have to go. Paul, wait, Paul! Ken? Ken? Ken. Uh, where is he, Howard? Uh, the lab. Come on. Ken? Ken? Ken, what are you doing at the computer? Ken, answer me. What's that sound? Howard! Howard, look at him. He's he's still asleep. I, I'll grab him. You turn off the computer. D- D- Howard, turn off the computer. I'm trying. It's not responding. Paul, I can see that thing on the screen. I I think it sees us. It's, it's getting closer. Howard, for God's sake, turn it off. Unplug it. I did. I unplugged it, but it's still running. It won't shut off. Howard! Paul, Paul it's here. It's, it's reaching to the screen. No. Ah, Howard! Ah, Howard! Let him go! As I watched, a hideous, slimy tentacle pushed through the computer screen. It wrapped itself around Howard's neck and started pulling, pulling him into the computer, just as we pulled Ken out hours ago. Pull! The bat! The baseball bat! I looked around it and saw the baseball bat Howard had dropped carelessly on the floor when I first arrived. I grabbed it and I ran to the computer. I lifted the bat high over my head and... The lights had gone out. Things were visible only from the sickly moonlight streaming through the window. Everything was still. Ken was unconscious on the floor. I was alive and Howard... Howard was gone. What? What happened? What happened? What happened? You pathetic piece of... You started that computer. That's what happened. You almost let that thing into this world. And you've killed my friend. No, 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 I I was asleep. I was dreaming. It was calling me. Telling me what to do before when it had me. It was planting some kind of seed. Something inside my head. And now... Now... He clutched his head with both hands and screamed in pain. He screamed as if he was dying, as if his brain was exploding. I thought I had seen the most wretched, awful thing possible, but now, as I watched, his eyes pulsed behind their closed lids. He put his hands to his face and he... he tore at them. Tore his own eyes out of their sockets. The blood and gore poured down from his cheeks and then... Two small tentacle-like things emerged from his eye sockets. The pulpy, slimy flesh flailing like worms. Then he clawed at his ears as blood began to pour from them as well. Get inside my head! End it! (laughs) Please! End it! And so I took the bat and raised it over my head again and... I don't know how many times I hit him, huh? I only know that when I was finished, there was nothing left above his shoulders. Nothing that could be called human. Finally, I dropped the bat and walked out of the lab. I found this recorder in Howard's room, the same place I found the bottle of sleeping pills that I took an hour ago. I wanted to leave something so so that people would know what happened here so that no one else would make the same mistake we did. If that download ever appears again, it has to be destroyed. I know this sounds insane. I know that's what you think, but but you have to believe me. I, I, I don't think I can stay awake much longer. It's all fading. I, I couldn't live knowing what's happening to Howard, that, that he's trapped there, and I, I can't help him. I, 
Hi. Well, Doctor, that's the recording we found at the scene. What do you think? Was he crazy? <sighs> he was obviously mentally ill. Paranoid schizophrenic, perhaps. But I need more time to formulate a diagnosis. Did he actually kill his friend in that manner? Beating his head to a pulp with a baseball bat? Well, he killed somebody like that. We haven't been able to do a positive ID on the body yet. But we do have something else. What's that? Our friend here obviously didn't know that Howard was a fanatic about backing up his data. The original computer was destroyed, but we have a complete record of everything on it from an external hard drive. Including this alleged download. Yeah, I've got the boys in the lab going over it right now, and we should know something soon. Come in. Captain? Uh, Captain, we got something on the body. Did you ID it? No, but we found something. It was a, a receipt that had slipped through a hole in the jacket pocket. <sighs> receipt for what? That's the weird part, Captain. It was a handwritten receipt for a pair of monogrammed cufflinks with the initials KR. And Captain, the really weird part? The receipt is dated April 23rd, 1960. 1960? KR? Ken Richardson? My God! We gotta stop the lab! There are a number of everyday precautions that we can all take that may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. The first is to make sure to clean your hands often. Now, washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds is the best, but if you don't have that, try to use a hand sanitizer that has at least 60% alcohol. And to the extent possible, avoid touching high-touch surfaces in public places. These are things like elevator buttons, door handles, handrails, or of course handshaking with people. Wash your hands after touching surfaces in public places. Avoid touching your face, your nose, and your eyes. And clean and disinfect your home to remove germs, practicing routine cleaning of frequently touched surfaces like tables, doorknobs, light switch handles will make a difference. Avoid crowds, especially in poorly ventilated spaces. All these small things that we can do may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone. <laughs>